Welcome to Meanderings with Trudy. I am sitting here with Melissa Park, a friend who's new to me. And um, Melissa lives in New Jersey and has her own podcast that she invited me uh, to uh, to be a guest on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and that was such a good experience. I thought that I'd return mm. the favor <laughs> and uh, and just do a little meander on joy with her. So so welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining me tonight. Well, thanks for having me. I just am, you know, listening to you speak right now. I'm like, gosh, your voice is so soothing, so easy to listen to. <laughs> but no, I'm excited thanks. to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to see where we'll meander to. So yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So you started with me by asking for my story. So why don't why don't mm-hmm. we just kind of start there? I mean, I know a few things about you, but not very mm-hmm. much. So mm-hmm. uh, I will say that you're you're you are my first non-Canadian guest. Oh, oh my I God! I, I feel very honored right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had guests who are from who who were born away, but are you know have become Canadians, oh, like sure. Angie, who you mm-hmm. know, uh, yep. another friend of mine, Jazz, who uh, was mm-hmm. born in India, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah. So you're my first non-Canadian. Nice. Yeah, awesome. nice. I'll try, to, I'll try to represent America well. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so so why don't we start there? Tell tell me okay. tell me about yourself. What's your story? Sure. So you know what? I am from New York. So I was born. I was actually born in Louisiana because my dad was in the military as well. Oh, okay. And um, when he so I was in Louisiana only I think until maybe I was just under one, and okay. then I moved to New York and um, grew up in Staten Island, New York, which I feel like most people are not familiar with um, in regards to New York City. Everyone kind of knows Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, but Staten Island, they're like, oh, where is that? Isn't, it, um, isn't, there, isn't there a statue on that? Uh, there's a statue on the way there. So that's how, that's how everyone way. associates Staten Island, which is like there's a ferry from Manhattan to Staten Island, and on that ferry is where you see the Statue of Liberty. Okay. Um, so what everyone usually does is like, Go to Manhattan. They'll take the ferry to Staten Island. Just take it right back. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So we go past that. We go past. We're on the ferry. We're going past. We're waving at the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> and then we disembark on. Yep. Staten on another island, island? George. Yes. Okay. On another island, and you know, I will say, growing up on Staten Island is a very interesting. Was a very interesting experience for me, and mm-hmm. maybe more so in. I guess obviously more so in hindsight, but. Uh-huh. Um, and so in Staten Island, it's, so Staten Island, I think part of the reason why also people don't know too much about that island is because it's also like the least connected to the other boroughs. Every other borough, there's trains going back and forth. Really the only way to get to Staten Island from Manhattan or Brooklyn, which are the two closest boroughs to Staten Island, is either by the ferry. Mm Mm-hmm. Or uh, or a bridge, so mm-hmm. uh, most people aren't going there. So it can actually be quite um, like isolated that mm-hmm. island, um, and very like um, what's the word like a monoculture on Staten mm-hmm. Island. Insular, insular, exactly. Yeah. And okay. so for me, growing up, I if you know, is your are you is your podcast at all on video or anything like that? No. Okay, so for listeners who cannot see me, I am Asian, I'm Korean American. So um, growing up on Staten Island and being in New York City, I experienced a lot of racism. And Mm. just like, um, you know, even I was telling a friend actually today, um, how there's been times where we both grew up on grew up in New York and even mm-hmm. growing up in what is known to be the metropolis like the big like the you know biggest city mm-hmm. or one of the, the most big uh, influential yeah mm-hmm. the big apple in the world that even in places like that we experience racism or someone has you know m- multiple times have probably told me you're my first Asian friend which is kind of bonkers to me being in New York City you know <laughs> oh, just wow. like the thought of that I yeah. think I could understand that maybe in you know in middle America but um just realizing growing up in New York City that to have those experiences yeah um but that has certainly shaped me quite a bit going through that growing up. And I thought mm-hmm. I would always experience that because I'm like, I can't change the way I look, you know? And so um, that seems to be the thing that people are attacking or drawn to. But so funny enough, like going to college, I went to college in Brooklyn. It just kind of stopped like unknowingly. I just did not have those experiences anymore. Um, mm. 
And in college... Was it the college that you chose? Like, was it a more uh, metropolitan or diverse college? Or do you think it's just the mindset of young people coming in with open openness yeah. to new experiences? Right. I think it might be all of those things. Mm. Um, I went to college in Brooklyn, which was pretty diverse because it's a, it's a more of a, it draws a local crowd. So you see a lot of diversity. There's a lot of Caribbean Americans there. There's a lot of um, like Hasidic Jews in the areas, but a lot yeah. of diversity, a lot of like Italians and then like Irish um, Americans. And so, so yeah, certainly a lot more, I guess, diversity there mm. and then just being older, I guess. Um, yeah. Tell me, just back up for a second. When you sure. went to grade school and high school, could mm -hmm. you go to school on Staten Island or did you have to get off the island to go to school? I went to school on Staten Island. Um, mm -hmm. And then my sister actually did go to school in Manhattan. So she also probably had a little bit of a different experience than I did than growing did. up. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how is it that your family, if your dad was in the military, how did you settle in Staten Island? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I asked my dad that question a long time ago. Like, how did you guys pick Staten Island? I honestly don't know. Um, okay. It must have just been because we don't have any family here. We actually don't really have the closest family we had was in Rhode Island, which is like five hours from Staten mm -hmm. Island. So I'm honestly not sure how they picked Staten Island. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Might have just been through on one or two other people they know, Koreans sure. that they knew that yeah. lived out there. And so without being offensive, and pardon me mm -hmm. if I am, are both your parents are, are of Korean descent? Uh, my my mom is actually Chinese and my dad is Korean. Okay. But we grew up in a Korean household. I, I, I grew up in a Korean, a culturally Korean household. Cultural and Korean. speaking okay. Korean and but not oh, speaking wow. Chinese. No. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so did did your your grandparents come to America? Like when when did people come? Yeah. What was that? So I should clarify, my grandparents actually aren't my grandparents. So okay. my my mom's parents on her side, uh, well, my, yeah, my, mom, my mom's parents have both passed away before okay. I think I was born. And then my dad's parents, his dad passed away before I was born. Mm -hmm. And then his mom lived in Korea. So, okay. um, so the grandparents that I'm referred to are, are actually my great, my great aunt and uncle um, who, gosh, I should know this, but he's <laughs> from... He's, I mean, his family's like many generations in America. And right. then I think they met in Korea during, during the war. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. During the war, during the World War II? Uh, Korean or War. Or the Korean War. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Okay. A lot mm -hmm. of wars. A lot of wars. Yeah, a lot of wars. <laughs> <laughs> so Interesting. I think, but I mean, yeah. this is, this, this Genesis story is really important, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, when we're talking about like, I mentioned when on my podcast, mm -hmm. um, the um, I, I the confusion that I've had since my mother's death around mm -hmm. the genesis of our family. I had always been told that they were settlers that came over from Scotland um, on my mom's side and then settled mm -hmm. in a in an area in the far north, just around uh, James Bay at the bottom of the of the Hudson's Bay. Um, which is a very landmarky sort of space when we look at North America. And they grew up around Indigenous people, but I'm coming to understand and have come to understand that they didn't just grow up around Indigenous people. Our families are intermingled. And one of my ancestors signed the treaty that manages, like as an Indigenous man, signed the treaty that, Treaty 9, that manages um, their area. Um, mm. And then got taken off of it by the Indian agent because his grandfather was from Scotland and that wasn't okay at the time. And, you know, it, it begins to change. It has begun to change the feeling of my land under my feet. Mm. Right. And so that's just, and my father's side is, is a combination of, of, of European settlers, but coming through the United States, um, through Vermont and, and, Right. different components of, of my father's family. That Genesis story is inculcated into the, the fabric of who I be, mm. right? And so as we, as we, at least in Canada, we're reckoning with this whole notion of who are we, where do we come from, what does that mean? I think it's, it's an important part of all of our, not just, not just individuals who, who look Korean-American, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Our Genesis story matters because it plays mm -hmm. into who we are. 
mm. and how we hold our world. And so yeah. I'm 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 keen to keen to learn more. So your your father was in the military. Mm. You were born in Louisiana. I guess when he got out of the military, they settled in Staten Island. Your grandparents yeah. were a great aunt and uncle, not the grandparents as yeah. we talk about. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's interesting to I guess when you're saying that, I'm also thinking to myself, like, I don't know, and maybe that's what you can provide a little bit of insight on, like how much of our family history really influences our world today. Cause I really don't know much about my 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 family history and we kind of lose a lot of it one like from my grandparents on i mean mm-hmm. i barely even know about my grandparents so yeah yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts on that of yeah knowing that deep of history like how does that impact people mm. and or not knowing yeah 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 you know it's it's um it's a thing isn't it especially when in my case i pass and i'm using air quotes for for our non-visual medium here um uh, i'm like born and raised canadian i have well now grayish hair but it used to be sandy brown green Mm -hmm. eyes white skin you know i look like the um settler from the uh british isles that i i appear as um and yet when i remember my great-grandmother who I now understand spoke Ojibwe and Cree, uh, English and Italian, because the residential school that she went to when she was a child, she was sent there under law uh, at six years old, farmed her out to an Italian family around age 10. And I think the proceeds of her, her mother's helper salary was given to the Anglican or to the, the residential school to help pay for the upkeep of her siblings. I think that's the story that we've managed to piece together. That changes things. So even though I look the way that I do, it has changed my relationship with my country in a way that feels very different than if you'd asked me the same kind of question 10 years ago, before my mother died. When you look different, quote unquote, again, air quotes, because certainly in Canada, we have a very diverse looking population. And I think in the States, there is too. There's always been this discussion, this difference between Canada and the United States, where one is a melting pot. America's a melting pot. Everybody becomes American. Canada's a mosaic. We keep our, so that the hyphen is different. In Canada, mm-hmm. you'd be Korean Canadian. And I think in the United States, the expectation is that you're American first and Korean second, even though you don't look like the, uh, the, the settlers who settled that country coming from Europe as they did, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very different kind of milieu. So when we talk about, if it's just the stories that we know, maybe going only back to our grandparents or our great-grandparents, maybe that's all that we do know. But when we know things about our own past or we don't look like we belong. And again, air quotes. It changes how people hold you and approach you. And it changes how you relate to, Mm. you know, you're a multi-generation American Mm. and yet you experience racism because of, and think about, you know, the, the people who are descendants of slaves who by the nature of their color of their skin are treated differently too. Right? Like, so all of these things kind of come into it. So whether or not, you know, the stories plays into this whole thing about how am I treated? How do I belong? How do I have this relationship to my past? Mm. You know? So um, do you watch the Olympics by any chance? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what what country do you root for when you're watching the Olympics? On my own. <laughs> Canada? Yeah. Okay. So the, the reason why I ask that is because when, when I watch with my parents, yeah. they, now they've lived in America far longer than they've lived in Korea. Yeah. It's funny because I'm rooting for America and they're rooting for Korea. Korea. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as you say, maybe, yeah. you grew up in a Korean dominated household. cultural yeah. household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there are lots of places in Canada where people have that bifurcation, right? Uh, right. I'm I'm rooting for Croatia, but I also am rooting for Canada until Canada's right. kicked out or Croatia's kicked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, hockey is like this. Uh, a hockey either, either um, 
the uh, the world hockey uh, competitions, you know, who you vote for depends. Mm. Uh, and yet, like in Canada, we have for Hockey Night in Canada, you can actually listen to it in Punjabi. They they mm. they have two uh, Sikh guys who who do the do the play by play and everything in Punjabi. Um, that's the one that's the big one, but I don't know if we do it in other languages too. But I think that bifurcation is a natural thing for people who feel somehow different from or separate from, Mm -hmm. for reasons myriad, who knows why, Mm -hmm. than the country that they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's a very natural and normal thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And your, 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 your backup country to root for probably would be Korea once America is no longer in the running for <laughs> yeah. something, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. 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 In Canada, it's uh, I, I root for Canada. I also root for the underdog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'll be noticing things, you know, like I'll be noticing the Scottish person mm-hmm. who's doing whatever they're doing. I'll, I'll be noticing the Irish person who's doing whatever they're doing because I have roots in both those places. Mm. Um I will occasionally be rooting for the American because I also have roots there. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's that mosaic. It's, it's, it's like this tapestry that's all woven together. And we, we appreciate the difference. Mm-hmm. And it, it enriches. When, it, when I was growing up in, um, in Kingston for part of, part of my life in Kingston, Ontario, which is uh, directly on Lake Ontario, uh, due north of, of New York State, um, like Syracuse, that sort of area, um, they had this uh, cultural festival called Folklore. And each one of the ethnic communities in Kingston would have would put on uh, over three days, all at the same time, you got this passport and you went from place to place to place. So you'd go to the Ukrainian community hall, you'd go to the Polish community hall, you'd go to the Italian and Portuguese community halls, and and more and more and more and get a passport stamped and you'd try their food and you'd listen to their dances and their music and all this kind of stuff and maybe participate in some kind of cultural thing like this recognition of a diversity has been has been part of my experience living here forever Mm. um which is i think kind of different from where you were raised Mm mm-hmm yeah. Where the focus is more on on being American, whatever that is defined as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, eh? Yeah, it is. I feel like there's this is a topic that can be uh, like literally its own podcast because there's so much to unpack in that. Because um, it's, I feel like what influences a lot of this dynamic is beyond just the individual. It's all these. Like you said, like how much of it is nationalism and how much of it is just like your, yeah, your, your history. And, um, it's, it's funny because when you're a kid, at least in my experience, I, I mean, I just didn't understand it because I'm, Mm. I just think like, well, I don't, I don't understand what you're seeing because that was always a physical appearance. I was attacked, and then mm-hmm. I, said, I don't because because that's a face I saw every day. And sure, I'm just sure. Like, this is normal to it. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there something on my face or something? Yeah. What's what's so and wrong then, with me? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And then watching, you know, I like many other kids, we're growing up in America, kind of having this very similar experience, whether it's watching and loving the same TV shows, like people mm-hmm. love Saved by the Bell, Family right. Matters, like these yeah, shows South we Park. all grew up on, yeah. South Park. <laughs> and yeah, and like, you know, you feel, you're just like enjoying yourself and then it becomes this whole other thing. And I'm just like, I don't know, I just I feel, I don't feel different, but... Mm-hmm. I guess you know it's it's a, it's a weird experience. I guess it's yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that just the thing that we all want? We all want to know that we're safe and that we belong, and yet sometimes that's such a hard thing to do and hard thing to feel. Thanks for joining us here on Meanderings with Trudy as I chat with my friend Melissa Park about her experience as a as a Korean American um, and her life growing up. We're going to meander through other parts of her life, so I hope you'll stick with us. So when you went to college, Mm -hmm. this feeling of being a little different subsided a bit. 
I don't know if I would say it subsided per se. Um, I guess, I guess, so different people have different experiences with race, like how they interpret racism. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes there is the response you'll have to that is like, you just hate your culture. You hate that part of like, I hate being Asian and, you know, you want to try to act a different, you know, they'll say act white or act, act white. American yeah, yeah. or something like that. Sure, sure. And, you know, I, I thought about that. I think about that a lot. And right. cause what I remember as a kid was I never really actually hated being Korean or thought like being Korean was bad because I don't know how I had this, um, wherewithal to think this as a kid was I actually really thought I was privileged that I had this background as being Korean because mm -hmm. I it was like a portal to a whole nother world you know you have yeah. American culture and like TV shows and um, movies and food then I had that whole other experience of like oh there's this whole world of like Korean TV shows and movies and food and culture and I felt like I had the privilege of having the gateway to that right and so um I didn't necessarily hate being Korean and I don't ever talk about, I don't know if I ever really, I don't really talk about this too much because I also don't like, I don't like, um, you know, someone like looking at me and just thinking like, oh, like, did you struggle with racism? That's all I talk about is about my race. Cause there's mm. like, so, but certainly obviously it's a big yeah. part of my experience. Sure, sure. Um, but I think the reason why maybe, you know, certainly a, maybe drawn to certain types of people that are maybe not necessarily Korean or whatever it was. Um, Cause I had a lot of actually Asian friends growing up as I did a lot of actually a lot of diverse friends, whether it was mm -hmm. white, black, you know, Latino. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe the way I'm understanding it right now from my own experience mm -hmm. is it was more about um, status and belonging kind of mm -hmm. like, I guess, like as human beings, like we're animals at our very core in mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And so we just want to like, no matter what, like forget about race. I think people kind of have this and, and especially as twos, we have a sense of who is the most important person mm -hmm. in the room. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of want to be drawn to that or like consider that at least that's me. That was my experience. Um, was not necessarily like I didn't want to be Korean anymore. It's just like I want to belong and I want to be in a position of like, right, of like, not, I guess, in some way, status. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that might have informed more of my decisions opposed to hating my right. self. So, right. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so deep right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's where we go. So tell me. This is a podcast that meanders its way through mm -hmm. understanding joy. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about growing up in a bifurcated household like that, where you mm -hmm. you're Korean on the inside with a, mm -hmm. a Chinese flavor from your mom, mm -hmm. uh, and you're sitting in this sea of Americanism, which which is in itself quite diverse, even mm -hmm. if it's shoehorning itself into what American looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? That, that actually seems kind of joyous. Mm -hmm. It was joyous. Honestly, I, you know, apart from the racism, <laughs> um, it, was, it was, a. I feel like I had a really fun childhood. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm, I just like looking back as a kid, I was just like really imaginative as a kid growing up. I kind of always like mm -hmm. loving being in my own world and like own wonder and imagination. And, you know, speaking of joy, I find myself really leaning more towards that now as an adult, because I just remember finding so much joy in that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, I, I guess a lot of things were an adventure and like kind of had, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I think it's more nature than it is nurture. I think I just mm -hmm. had this disposition to be like more positive and mm -hmm. see things in a more like opportunistic way opposed to um, being weary of the world and, and things like that. Because even though there were a lot of experiences of racism, I mean, some of my closest and dearest friends who I have to this day are from Staten Island, from my school and my upbringing. And so I just mm -hmm. loved hanging out with my friends, you know, as a typical two, I just loved people. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. That brought me the 
greatest joy was always the opportunity to hang out with people and spend time together. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what you're, what you're talking to this two-ness that she's talking to is, is the Enneagram, which we've been sort Mm -hmm. of uh, delving into a lot on this podcast Mm -hmm. over this winter and spring uh, season. Mm -hmm. And the two on a path of integration goes to four, which is that creative energy that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and that willingness to be independent uh, within itself um, and you're also, I, I'm, I'm hearing like we, the theory goes that we integrate one way and we disintegrate another. I kind of believe that those lines to those types are, are available, both the pros and the cons of both sides. Mm. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot of strength in, in vision and sense of self, which is more of that eight energy, which they say you disintegrate as a two towards the eight and I, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I do hear though that bo- both of them kind of give you strength, but what probably mm-hmm. it sounds like to me, most importantly, given that two is home base is just, there was a lot of love around you. Mm. You know, mm. you had, you had friends, you had a close knit family. I mean, you've moved to New Jersey. You told me, um, a while ago, to be closer to family. And so that senses, I'm sensing and feeling into this, this kinship and this sense of love and belonging. You know, everybody wants safety, belonging and dignity. I can't remember how many times I've said that here, safety, belonging and dignity. We are motivated by those things. We seek them. We, we lash out when we don't have them. We feel threatened when we don't have them because they're so important to Mm -hmm. our sense of well being. And what I'm hearing you say is, is you had this sort of cradle of support that was there for you that enabled yeah. you to stand in your own space. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you think about this, but I think I was I was just talking with my sister about this too, which was I think throughout my life I again, I don't credit this really to myself. I really just feel like I was born this way because I felt like this as a kid as well, which was, Mm. I feel very lucky. And I say that even where I had a pretty rough upbringing, which was, you know, I have parents who are immigrants who are trying to make their own way in this world, which was very stressful in itself. But Mm -hmm. my father was also, um, diagnosed with a kidney disease where he lost a kidney uh, or both of I'm sorry both of his kidneys and so that was a whole thing in itself which was now my dad is kind of going through this very you know impactful life experience where he was a young man who was had all of this like strength and gumption to like make something different for his life and his family and then to then be hit with this um medical diagnosis which is now have forced him into early retirement and really changed his life in the way that he can't, he really couldn't work as much or do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with like someone who was always a patient and things Mm. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there were a lot of things, different challenges in my life for sure growing up, but to your point, I don't know how, but we did, I do feel so grateful that we were surrounded by people that loved us. Like we went Mm -hmm. to church and this church was also, I didn't have a lot of family growing up in the area. So, Mm -hmm. um, when I look back, I just think like, wow, this community from this church was so available to my family, which was like, we were young kids. My parents, you know, I think about that now, like my parents are like my age or younger going through this. I'm just like, I cannot believe that, which is so weird. Um, And, you know, they were like, my dad had to often go to the hospital a lot and, you know, sometimes randomly because things were happening and sometimes scheduled and it was far away. And, you know, it's like, what do you do with these two kids? So Mm -hmm. a lot of people volunteered to watch us be with us um and you know a lot of people from that church were people who would bring food to our family throughout the years and still some people still do that and i don't know how our family got so lucky in the very odd way where obviously there's a lot of tragedy and trauma Mm -hmm. we just got lucky and i don't know how and Mm um man i don't i don't know how we kind of that I mean, we, not to say we don't have our own issues too. But sure, like, sure, we all do. Different repercussions, yeah. yeah. But what 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 I'm hearing from and inferring into your story is just that that basket of love that was around you that supported you, mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't dependent on socioeconomic situation, and it wasn't dependent on um, avoiding hardship. Yeah, and and 
you know, let's face it, this interweaving of, of joy is about having both hardship and good luck and mm-hmm. good things, right? Like it, mm-hmm. joy is both. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's what you have as you move forward. And it's, it doesn't mean that we don't have hardship or difficulties, but it, it does mean that, that we've made it through them. And that has, um, supported and in some ways intensified our, our ability to appreciate the good things that are there. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I, that's what I, that's what I'm picking up on and, and feeling that's there. Cause we, mm-hmm. we all had that. I mean, um, you can tell the difference with someone who's, who's had a, a childhood where there was no love mm. because they, they don't know how to step into a space and take chances um, yeah. they often feel as though their voice is not allowed, you know, th- those kinds of things are all hallmark hallmarks mm-hmm. of, of not being able to, um, develop the resiliency that, that enables you to step forward despite having had difficulties. Mm. Right. And right. that's what you're speaking to is your, your mm-hmm. family's had its own challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we move on. Yes. Right? And here Definitely. you are now, you know, where, where are you coming up 30? Are you 30 yet? I'm coming up on 35. Okay. So <laughs> at 35 or whenever it was, you moved back home, you're, mm-hmm. you're moving to be closer to family because these things matter to you. You're not running away from and saying, I, I need to be on the other side of the country. Cause you know what, these people, they might be my family, <laughs> but they're driving me bonkers. <laughs> they still drive me bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I want, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to be near them. Mm-hmm. And that matters to me. Yes. And so those markers are put down in our childhood mm. that enable us 30 years later, mm-hmm. 35 years later, to want to be there when when it feels like the right time to be there. Mm. You know right? what? I didn't, I guess the thinking about that, when you put it that way, I didn't, I never thought about it that way. Like... Cause you just think that's how it is. Like, I just want to be near my family, you know, but I guess you're right. Some people really just don't want to be near their family. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely went through my own period of that, of like not wanting to be near my family. Well, yeah. Have, like, Everybody's a teenager in 20, yeah. in the twenties and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I want to be connected to, to you and, yes. and you can be near your family without necessarily being geographically close either. Right. right? Like right. it's, we're talking about that feeling of connection, mm-hmm. which can be, I'm living next door to them or around the block from them or in the same neighborhood mm-hmm. as, or in the same country or on the same globe, but right. I still feel connected and what happens to them matters to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a favorite, uh, a favorite memory or a favorite cultural thing that happened every year in your family that, uh, that just lights you up. I mean, I have a friend who's, um, her dad is from Ireland and her mm. mom, I think her mom is Chinese. Um, and she and her sisters and she and her own children, she's got four of her own. Uh, they love, love, love dim sum and they love, love, love mm. Chinese new year. And they love, love, love so all good. these things that are, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hallmarks for them. And she's constantly posting about the various mm-hmm. ways in which she loves, which, where she comes from and who she is. What's there for you? We don't have we don't have like very strong tradition traditions like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely celebrate those holidays and every other holiday and stuff like that. But, um, like my parents, um, when we're in high school, my parents would kind of like have their night out on a Saturday night, and they come back pretty late. And it was just me and my sister in the house, mm-hmm. and we talk about this to this day of like how. Oh, that was so nice. We just had a quiet house to ourselves. We didn't even do anything. We just wanted to like watch TV together. And it was just like quiet and peaceful. I still remember like how that feels um, Mm -hmm. being alone at home. And what I would love to do, which was probably strange, is clean up. I love to like Mm -hmm. clean, tidy, organize, tidy. (laughs) And then I love like uh, relaxing after is all tidy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's so it's no wonder that you have this side hustle, as you call it, in in organizing, right? So, so that joy of of putting things to right Mm -hmm. was there in you at an early age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does it feel like? Can can you can you 
Can you describe it? Like if you close your eyes and just mm. feel back to that little girl who would just tidy things up because it felt good. What 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 is that like for you? Um, <clears throat> I think because there was so much going on in the household, and again, to to my parents, to to these people who are trying to like figure things out and you know so much was going on in their own individual lives that they were trying to figure out and process mm -hmm. it was it was at times a very like um intense household you know there's mm -hmm. just a lot going on inside and so when i think back at that time i just remember feeling like peace and like rest mm. and um it was just like i don't know comfort i guess mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I still remember like the bed, just like sitting at the end of the bed. I'll watch SNL Saturday Night Live um, <laughs> or watch Titanic for like the thousand time. I love that movie. Um, so, and it was just like peaceful. It was just like quiet. And I just really liked that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when we talked on your podcast, when you interviewed mm -hmm. me, we had a little bit of a exploration around the struggle that you were having with converting or understanding what it is exactly that lights you up about the organizing yeah. business that you're trying to create. Mm -hmm. um, and then you sent me an email subsequent to that that said, what I offer to people is the opportunity to create, how did you put it? Like more space and, and coherency kind of in, in, in their space and right. in their lives as a result of the organizing yeah. Well, I, I think the way I think about organizing is not organizing for the sake of organizing, because that can become um, a, a, a trap in itself, because then you're always like, I mean, and we've been in these homes where you go to someone's house and you just feel like I can't really move and it feels uncomfortable because I don't want to like ruin anything or put mm -hmm. things out of place. I guess my philosophy with that is like a home is meant to be lived in and made memories with. Mm -hmm. And so organization isn't about like the visually aesthetic um, pleasingness of it or the order of it, although it is that it's really about um, it's really about making more space and making more room in people's life to live. To because live. When you have, yes. yes. Underline. Underline. Helping people make space in their lives to live. Yeah. That's kind of a wonderful goal when she puts it that way, don't you think? Enabling people to have more space in their life for living. Thanks for sticking with us here on Meanderings with Trudy as we explore joy as it shows up for Melissa, at least at this point in her side gig as an organizer. And there is a lot of studies done about like being in a tidy space and like in a visually appealing space um, and how important it is to like have beauty and like things in your life. And mm. um, just for like your mind and like your soul and um, there are some people who have a higher tolerance for these things and some people who have a lower tolerance, but I think regardless, it's, it's really just about like, I don't want you, I don't, I just, for me, I just don't want people being bogged down by the administrative tasks of life, which is mm -hmm. like laundry, cleaning, and there's clutter everywhere. I want you to like be able to come home and yeah, you want to watch TV, like watch TV feeling relaxed instead of like, oh, I'm watching TV, but now I feel guilty because I probably should be doing laundry. I probably should be cleaning this and mm -hmm. doing this. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I'm putting yeah. off, I'm putting off these other tasks that yeah. are on my plate and it could be, mm -hmm. could be organizing the freezer. It could be organizing mm -hmm. the laundry. It could be organizing, yeah. you know, the front entryway. Yeah. Well, I think you're onto something though, because, you know... Um, how, what was I thinking? I had this thing in my brain. It was like, I organize for you to make your life livable. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that's, that's what you're talking yeah. about is, is I'm, I'm creating space and, and room for life. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that is kind of the through line through a lot of what I do with mm-hmm. with the podcast, with, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of when you're challenging me of like, what is the why? Mm-hmm. And whether it's the organizing or the podcast, my why is pretty much the same, which is I my belief today is that life is short. Life is short. We have this one life and, you know, each of us like i guess like there there is so much wonder in this world and there's so much we don't know and there's so much um experiences to be had difficult and joyous and parts about ourselves like there's a whole universe i feel like inside of our own selves as well and so there's a lot of exploring and adventure out there when so much of life and i'll speak maybe more specifically for american life can feel very monotonous and routine which is like you go to work nine to five and then you eat you sleep you go to work you eat you sleep and it just and then you just live for the weekends is kind of a lot of people's mantras you know and a lot of times we're asleep at the wheel and i think with organizing the the vision behind that for me is like hey you know like um there's like your home is such a like sacred place because that's the place where you come back to rest and like kind of step away from the world um and also where you or your family or friends make memories there's just something different about like if someone's like let's go to dinner you go to a restaurant there's something about like come over for dinner i'm going to make dinner for you um and so much life happens in a home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see so many people bogged down by the clutter of like too many things I got to clean. And then with the podcast, um, I think what I hope when people listen to my podcast is that it encourages people or at least inspires people to think like maybe it doesn't have to be this way because mm-hmm. so many of us are taught we hear some sort of a message that we're supposed to be a certain way. We mm-hmm. should be a certain way. We should live our life a certain way. And, um, you know, like each person is so unique in who they are, our experiences, um, and what we have to offer. Um, and I just hope that like people will hopefully be inspired and encouraged to go out and try different things, break out of their norm. If you're unhappy or just feel uninspired or maybe bored or drained by life that, um, I don't know, hearing everyone's story, it's so different. Like, and even if it feels like we failed or things aren't going the way we think it's supposed to go mm-hmm. or whatever it might be that it's not the end. This universe is so ginormous and like mysterious in a way that I don't know that there's there's so much to be explored within yourself and then outside outside. yeah 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 and you know you talk about luck like um it's uh I was I think I probably told you about this one before about this meditation where you're meditating on the or you're finding balance on four planes. Did I explain Mm, that to you? I don't think so. Mm -mm. Well, it it comes out of the Strazi Institute in California. uh, And it was taught to me by a woman named Stacy Haynes. And um, the, the, the first plane is, is uh, an up and down one, a Mm. vertical one where we are um, balancing in our dignity as a human being. The second plane is is sideways, widthwise. If you spread spread your arms out, it's the space around us, but it's also the space of community, the space of all living things, and that recognition of our connection to others. The space behind us, we don't think of our back body very often, but the space behind us we can also balance on or balance into. And that has two parts. One is our evolutionary biological four, three billion years of history. And when you think about that, for you and me to be here and all the people who are listening now, absolutely every single biological cell split had to be perfect for us to exist now. Mm. And for the trees and the birds and the squirrels and the, and the, and the, to be here, everything Mm -hmm. had to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So why are we thinking that we're in any way flawed? 
because we're so not right so that's that's one side of it the other side of it are these hands of the ancestors that are back who i believe are rooting us on go you be the best you that you can be right now and then when you die and your energy goes back into the world then your hands will be added to ours standing at the back of the next person to whom we are connected Right. Mm-hmm. And that could be our own ancestors or it could be the world and, and all of the others. So that kinship that goes back to our second plane. Right. Then the final plane is our commitment going forward. So understanding but not leaving behind, balancing in our dignity, balancing in our sense of connectedness, balancing in our connection to our past, both biological and ancestral. In this moment, what am I committed to? Mm. And what you're talking about. In, in the things that you're doing now as a 35-year-old woman, what do I bring to this world, right? And, and right now you've been talking about the, the wonder of being in this place right now and how do we create more space so that more people can experience that. And you're bringing that sense to them through the cornucopia of people that you've interviewed in your podcast, but also through... Your, your side hustle of helping them to create space so that they can live fully, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so you're bringing them wonder and yeah. spaciousness and curiosity so that they can live to their fullest potential. Yeah, Those I Those are pretty so. good things. Yeah, and I think kind of like what you were saying, what was the three things? It's like love, belonging, and... Safety, belonging, and dignity. Safety, Safety belonging, and dignity. And dignity. Yeah. I think that's where, I mean, like, yeah, those, that's where you need to like catapult off of. Cause if you don't have safety, if you don't feel dignity or belonging, um, how could you feel the maybe freedom necessarily to, to try explore and be yeah, curious? Absolutely. Yeah. Try something new, walk off a, you know, I mean, when you start a new business, even if it's a side mm-hmm. hustle, you're still stepping mm-hmm. off of something and jumping into yeah. an unknown, right? Yeah. You know, who's going to want to buy it? How do I get in touch with them? Why would yeah. they pick me over someone else? Um, mm-hmm. How are they when I'm done? Are they satisfied? Are they happy? Will they give me a good referral? Will they, you know, mm-hmm. all of that is unknown and uncertain. Yeah, for and, sure. And, uh, you know. Where, I mean, maybe for you, like, where does your resilience or perseverance to, like, keep pushing forward, even though you, I mean, we've only spoken about, like, a few of, like, the particular challenges in your own life, which yeah. I'm sure there's more that you didn't share, but, like, that you, I don't know, have you thought about, like, why were you, why are you even to this day able to keep pushing forward while maybe some other folks might have it, find it, have a harder time with that and Hmm. might feel stuck? Hmm. It's a good question because, you know, I don't feel like I always had that push forward Mm. kind of, kind of thing. I mean, when I was home with, I spent seven years home with the kids. I, I think so. Each one of the things that I did it just felt like the right thing to do at the time. When when you and I were, uh, when you were interviewing me for the podcast, for your podcast, uh, the podcast is called Making Way, right? And we'll have a mm-hmm. we'll have a link to it in the in the episode notes. When we were talking about that, you were asking, you know, what was what was your plan? How do you plan? How did you plan this life that you've got? And I laughed mm-hmm. at you. <laughs> Not very kind <laughs> to me, but it's like ah, nobody has a plan. Right. No, we just live. We just live, mm-hmm. and and. Each time that I did things, it felt like the right thing to do. Like when I, when I went to the district health council and applied for my, like went in there and said, hey, I, I can write that mental health needs assessment for you. They went, well, okay, you need a business number. Go get that. And it's like, okay. And then off I went. It, it felt like the right thing to do. Mm. And then, you know, staying home with my children felt like the right thing to do. Um, hmm. Going, going into journalism and writing felt like the right thing to do. I can't say that I had any plan for any of it. It just sort of, it's, I, I'm always telling my clients, you make the best decision you can with the information you have available in that moment. Mm. And that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And so I can't say that I stayed tethered to myself in any intentional way, certainly in the in, intentional way that I try to do now but somehow throughout all of that 
just living my life, I stayed tethered to the things that mattered, you know, Mm -hmm. people, relationships, uh, loving on other people's little heads, you know, Mm. um, be they my children or otherwise, um, Mm -hmm. showing up when I said I was going to, there's some just basic things, you know, I'm going to do this, follow through, Mm. um, do it to the best of my ability, admit it when I'm wrong or I've made a mistake, um, continue to show up even after you've made that mistake mm-hmm. and made amends and continue mm-hmm. to try, you know? Um, and certainly, certainly not everything has turned out the way that I would have liked it to. Uh, if it had, I'd be in Jerusalem reporting on, <laughs> reporting for CBC <laughs> from there, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, um, but I think, Knowing that I've had my parents' love helped a lot. Um, yeah. I do feel the ancestors at my back. Mm. Once I, as soon as Stacy taught that, I mean, the first time we did that meditation, and there's a lot more to, to it, but I had this whole tingling of, of recognition that I've known I've had that kind of support. And isn't that interesting, right? Mm. So beginning mm. to tap into some of those unknown unknowns that I, you know, when I when when the when the spotlight finally goes onto that and you realize that you've had it all the way along, like when I when my husband left and I moved to Ottawa, quit my job with the with the broadcaster, moved to Ottawa, no job, no nothing. It never occurred to me that I couldn't do this. Well, where does that come from? Yeah. You know, I don't know where it comes from, but mm. it, it, it only occurred to me that it never occurred to me that I couldn't, that I would fail. That only occurred to me years after, mm. like, what the heck, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like you, you just, you just take those steps forward and you just do, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you bring yourself up when you recognize that the shine is no longer there for you. Like some of the questions you were asking in our last conversation, uh, I feel, what was some of the words you were saying? I feel dull. I feel uninspired. Yeah. yeah, Unmotivated, tired. Mm -hmm. My shine isn't there. Mm -hmm. And and the invitation that we had for you was to to play some more, reattach Mm -hmm. in some way, small way reattached mm-hmm. to your whimsy to that mm-hmm. little girl who enjoyed mm-hmm. creating a safe space in her home that was was more organized and more tidy but more organized yeah. and felt more secure as a result safety belonging and dignity right mm-hmm. that little girl yeah. did all that kind of stuff to make herself feel safe yeah you know because she belonged and it gave her that dignity of of having a nice tidy clean home yeah and i think the dignity part is so huge because you know i think i you something that angie and i talked about on her episode which i like loved what she said was she said there's a story she said she doesn't know if it's an actual true story but she said there's a tribe of people and i guess when you're born you're born with a song and so as through your life as when you lose your way your tribe could sing that song, song back to you. to you to remind you of who you are. And I was like, yeah. got the chills just hearing you say that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think we are so inundated with so many different messages and messaging um, that, I don't know, like we do lose our dignity. We somehow like lose lose our way a little bit and i mean maybe that's part of the journey not to speak so like lofty but like Mm -hmm. you know the reason why maybe i because i wrestle with my own feelings of like am i doing enough you know am i quote unquote successful um am i making the right decisions and what is my life and and at the same time i just feel very content to just be and not strive per se um but um, you know, I guess like for whatever reason I was born the way I was born and I, I did love like creating and just kind of mm-hmm. like being in my imagination and wondering and, you know, 
I don't know. Sometimes I feel challenged that it can't be that way. And I need to, mm. I don't know, buckle down and like get things done, I guess. <laughs> Cause I never was that person, you know, yeah. even with, with academics or career wise, yeah. people are so like, you know, got to get to the best school, got to get the best mm. job and X, Y, and Z in this way has to happen in your life. And mm. Mm-hmm. I just was not that way. I just, I always not, I always wanted to just do what I wanted to do and follow, follow my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And, um, which doesn't always lead to a very quote unquote successful path because it's, you're, you're kind of just meandering all well, the time. Yeah, but it depends <laughs> on what are your metrics for success, right? Sure. I right. mean, if my metrics, if my metrics for success are, advancing in my job and getting bigger and bigger job titles and more and more people that re, re, uh, report into me and I'm I'm building up the gold in my in my bank account mm-hmm. um, uh, fine but who says that that's this that that's the currency that matters to you yeah you know yeah. like um there are all kinds of currencies in this world Mm-hmm. Um, I once had a, I spent a little bit of time, it sounds like I was in prison, but uh, I spent a little time working for the government. <laughs> and I had this wonderful director who, uh, who I interfaced with, he was one of my client groups in the in the mm-hmm. nuclear industry. And, uh, and I asked him once, because he, he was, he was just, he was a wonderful manager. And he told me, I said, you know, how come you're not advancing? He said, I've been asked to, to become mm-hmm. a director general, I've been asked to move on. And the sweet spot for me is where I am right now, because I mm-hmm. have enough uh, involvement in the files that I need to have a certain level of understanding. And the files are really interesting, nuclear waste, uh, management of nuclear mine sites in Canada, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, my mind is constantly being activated by my senior analyst information and the files that we have. And I'm managing the people too. And I love managing the people and helping them with their careers and helping them grow and do all these kinds of things. And maybe they'll advance and maybe they won't. Maybe they'll try another job and it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. they're all growing. And Mm. I just love what I do. And you could tell his eyes just glowed. And, you know, he'd been a director for quite some time and he chose to stay in that space. Yeah, that was his currency. Those were his mm. currencies, the mm-hmm. the mental agility from having these big challenges of national issues, and the development of people. Mm. And he didn't need more money. He didn't need a higher level. He didn't need more people reporting to him. The things that mattered to him were different. And mm. yeah, that's a government environment. But it's the best example of somebody who really was their currency was different. And once you understand what your currency is, mm. then that's that's what you go for, right? You, and and as I said to you on your on your podcast, our 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 systems are are upside down. When it's when it's all about the money, you you it ceases to be about the currency that matters to you. Maybe that's money and maybe that's if it's money great, go for it. <laughs> but if it's something else, mm-hmm figure out what the something else is okay but do you think people who say my currency is money do you ever think it actually really is money i don't i I don't i have a hard time with that because my currency isn't money right it's like it's it's like my love language is 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 not a monetary one Mm -hmm. um so um the people that i think chase the money are more often than not unable to use the money they do accrue, Hmm. you know, because they're so busy chasing the next bit of money. I see. And so, um, and and then what do you do with the money? Other than add it up, what do you do with it? You know, as you say, you could buy bigger houses, you could buy more cars, you could, but, but towards what end, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the end, it's just stuff you have to organize. You have to hire somebody yeah. to come and organize for you. <laughs> like, why? It's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine by you, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, really, towards what yeah. end? Towards no, what I end agree. am I doing this? Yeah, and that question isn't necessarily to put a moral value on anyone who's, who has no, that answer. I think that's fine, too. I guess I, I, for me, too, I am curious. Like, oh, when someone says that, I'm like, I really wonder what that actually means. Like... <sighs> 
Because I don't know, do people value? Yeah, I don't know. Because money is a uh, money is just an is money is an object, but it's also obviously a lot of other things like power, status, whatever. But I don't know. It's always curious when people people mm-hmm. when people do say that. I'm always like, well, what do you actually mean by that? Because mm-hmm. that seems different than I, it I would be. It would be great. What a what a great PhD topic, eh? Um, to <laughs> to interview people who say they are motivated by money. Let's talk about what does that actually look like for them? Maybe it truly is. So, so mm. tell me, how does getting more money give you joy? How does it, how does it prove your success? What is made cool. possible by having it? Uh, other than buying things yeah. that you don't have time to enjoy because you're still pursuing more money. Yeah. How does that satisfy you? You know, it would be an interesting discussion, right? That is interesting. I'm like, things are like percolating my brain. I was like, ooh, because New York (laughs) City is like the perfect place to have that experiment. This is money. Money is like the highest value here, like the hustle, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Hmm. We need to have meaning in what we do. Mm -hmm. And, And that goes back to the 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 comment that you made earlier around, at least in the States, just our lives are boring. We get up, we have mm-hmm. breakfast, we go to work, mm-hmm. we, we do the thing, we come home, we have dinner, we sleep. And, and, mm-hmm. and where's the living in here? Well, the living is put mm-hmm. in on the weekend between loads of laundry yeah. and washing the kitchen. <laughs> right? So yeah. how do I make it more? What is mm. my currency that matters? And it's not just mm. financial. There's something yeah. else that's there. Shall we park things here? Sure. Okay. This was really lovely. We should do this, this again. Was nice. We yeah. should. Yeah. This was fun. I like this format of like, yeah, let's just see where things <laughs> just go. Just see where things go. That's why it's a meander. Pressure. That's right. No yeah. pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, if anybody has any comments that they'd like to share or thoughts, uh, shoot them to me at meanderingswithtrudy at gmail.com. Um, and we will definitely have a link to your podcast uh, in the episode notes and anything else that you want to have us look at. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. So thanks thanks for much. having me. Can I just say, I love that. I love that you say, um, this is how we be like, you're, you're very intentional about saying mm. be, and you, you, you said that on my podcast mm. too. And I was telling a friend that I was like, oh, this woman I just had on, like, she just talks about being and even, even it's not like grammatically correct. Right. But like, Mm-mm. I love Mm-mm. that you that's how you phrase things it's like this is how I be and I'm just like yeah <laughs> so anyways just wanted to tell you I, I love that yeah mm-hmm. hey, you're welcome I thank you for yeah. noticing